guys. I'm going to check it. They said it didn't bounce. You heard him. The first thing he asked the marshal. Did the marshal see the ball bounce? Hey, the marshal said it did not. They said it didn't bounce. Calls so for I official. checked it and I believe it broke ground, but I'm going to let you make that call. Right here. What are you talking about? Embedded ball. Oh. Where's your Feels ball? like, well, I, 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 since I picked it up to check, I mean, it seems like it broke ground, but I want you to double check. They said it didn't, didn't bounce. Uh, you mind if I stick my finger yeah, in there? That'd be the only way you'd be able to check, isn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah, I feel a lift on it. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. It's party time at TPC, the stadium course. The most fun to visit, the party, a place where the beer flows like wine. This is the Waste Management Open DraftKings preview show, and the cut line's going to deliver something that is inspiring, a show that insists, nay, demands your uninterrupted, undivided attention, that show that is undoubtedly going to bring you... Gotcha. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, Australia. And hello, UK, Spain, Australia, New Zealand. I said New Zealand. Did we say New Zealand? Germany, Sweden, the East Coast, the West Coast, Toronto, Ashburton, West Hartford, Versailles, Rockville, don't go back, Riverhead, Newberry Park, El Dorado Hills, Wald Lake, Dame, and of course, the miserable place that we call Indiana. So today I'm going to be doing just the top 10 things that I think are the worst things about living in Indiana. And obviously I would know because I live in Indiana. Welcome to the cut line. And as always, we want to thank you for spending your time with us last week. The cut line promised and it delivered this week. We intend to do the same thing. Bring you the plays that are going to help you crush this weekend's tournament. I'm Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. Cash. Cash money is what I'm saying, because cash games was where it was at for me last weekend. And this is the new year, man. We are positive ROI everywhere, every weekend, every tournament. We're going to keep it rolling. And, man, last weekend's cash lines came through, and I'm really happy about that. We don't normally talk cash on this show, but you know what? I still play it, man. That's the easiest way to make money, easiest way to increase that bankroll. But we are going to go directly into our good, bad, and the ugly from last weekend's farmers. All right, first of all, the good. Patrick Weed nailed it, okay? Can't do it. Nailed it on Wolf. Hand injury, I get it, but so what? We nailed the can't do it on Wolf. All right, we'll give half credit here to Billy Horschel. He was the original can't do it. I came out and said, okay, the ownership's not that high. I guess he's in play. It burned a couple of you. Sorry, Gundo. But the fact is, eh. And we'll count it, right? Norlander, MG guarantee, boom, second place. Talk about hitting a 6K MG. And, of course, Luke Liss, another MG top 10. All right, so the bad. 
The bad was Deki Matsuyama. I had way too much. And it kind of cost me this weekend because at that price point did not come to fruition in terms of value. And of course, our ugly. The lineup construction for my GPPs overall was not that strong. Um, with both having read and even in some of these lineups that helped cash with some of these like five of sixes, four of sixes and everything like that. But still it wasn't enough. I didn't piece it together the right way. And we go back to the drawing board for the GPPs, but look, we keep riding this return on investment train and I'm going to keep doing it. More uglies though. More uglies. Rory Reed trying to cheat. Come on, man. Come on, man. They're within the rules, right? Reed doesn't have a history of that type of cheating stuff. Why would he do that again? Come on. Reed. Tarnished victory. Whatever, man. One point something million dollars richer. I don't think he's complaining. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth analysis of the Waste Management Open. And I'm going to do the best I can. You changed the samples, didn't you, huh? You switched the samples after Lentz died. Let's stay, stay calm, people. After Lentz died, you were the only one who had the access. You switched the samples and the pathology reports. Did you kill Lentz too, huh? Can we get some security huh? in here, please? Did you? He falsified his research so that our DU-90 could be approved and Devlin McGregor could give you Provasic. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, in addition to bringing... Be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sun chops, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating the best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. Pun intended. Now, do you need leverage? I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. Even with my own ownership projections, I know a second opinion. In fact, the most important opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports. Why? Because I'm the guy at Fanshare Sports that does the ownership projections. On top of that, Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric is freaking money. Not only that, he offers plays and picks for every showdown. You get the showdown model. Uh, Fanshare Sports, man, it's where it's at. Do your course research. Do your history research. Look at the past 30 rounds, 50 rounds, 100 rounds, 1,000 rounds, whatever you want. You want correlated courses? You got it. Fansharesports.com. If you're not subscribed, easy fix. Go to Fanshare Sports. In the discount code, write the word CUTLINE, and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is a leverage, not to be belittled. Of course, we need to give a shout out to PJ Tour and Fantasy National. You want to build better, stronger lineups? My process starts with these two sources. It gives me a huge leg up when compared to the rest of the industry. Are your lineups in the gutter? It's probably because you're not using Fantasy National. You're ending up on the wrong end of the flag stick. So I ask you, boom, how are your lineups doing? This week, the PJ Tour takes the golfers to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And this is the one if not the most fun event for players and fans alike. Well, not all players. Not all players like the crowds. And guess what? 25% of them are only going to be there. It's not even a packed house. Ain't going to be record crowds. It's not going to be livelier than ever. The Coliseum, 16, could be arguably boring. Hecklers easily heard. Not enough people, right? Ah, come on. 
But there's plenty to like on this slate, plenty to love about the course, and nothing more exciting than these finishing holes at TPC. Look, golfers got a lot to look at this weekend. 10 miles southwest from Scottsdale, it is a Weisskopf and Moorish design, and it was upgraded in 2014 and lengthened a bit, and the greens were resurfaced to match the new technology on the PGA Tour. It's a par 71, 7,200-yard desert track, and the front line is, let's be realistic, rather boring. The back nine is where it's at. It's undulated Bermuda fairways, a modest Bermuda rye rough, and Big, biggish, above average, fast greens. And they are currently overseeded with bent grass, rye, and poa. So those of you that are buying into the Bermuda grass greens over in Scottsdale, uh uh-uh, they're dormant right now. Don't buy it. This ain't Bermuda. All right. So um, most likely big swings are possible on those closing holes in that 15 with a reachable par 5 and water on the left. 16, of course, is the famous par 3, that intense amphitheater that is one of the, if not the, most historic par 3 on tour. It's arguable. It's arguable. It's nostalgia, right? Who knows? Anyways, you got a 17 drivable par 4 with water, and 18 is water with deep, deep bunkers. Of course, difficulty typically, typically ranges in the middle, as it did last year and the year before that. In your whole dispersion, you got four par 3s. Three par fives, and the rest are your par fours. So scoring on those fives and fours, pretty pivotal. Driving accuracy versus driving distance. The last few winners have all ranked inside the top 30 in driving distance. So that would lead us to believe that distance is more important than accuracy. I kind of tend to agree. But strokes gained T degree is also important, as we've seen the likes of Ricky Fowler, Woodland, Matsuyama, guys who have fantastic tee balls but kind of approach all-around game. Of course, the putter is always kind of fickle for Decky, but so what? So what? He's had success here. My key stats. Greens and regulation gain, fairways gained, approach, uh, strokes gained, tee to green, scrambling. But the one way I'm going to differentiate this week than I think most people, they're going to look at Park 5 scoring. And I get it, right? Park 5 scoring is very valuable here, being that there are only three. But where I'm going to differentiate is I'm going to look at Park 3 scoring. Par 3 scoring, I think, is very valuable here. We look at the course stats. Three of the four par 3s are very positive in terms of their below par score. So I'm liking that. Um, But the question is, as we get through this, who am I going to play this week? He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where I break down each tier of golfer starting from the 11K down to the 7K range. And man, is this top tier loaded. John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, and Webb Simpson. I'm going to say something. I like them all. I don't hate any of these plays. Don't hate them at all. In my confidence model. All of them in the top 10. Overall stat model, top 15. Scoring model, top 10. Approach model, top 15. Off the tee, except for JT, top 20. So Justin Thomas off the fairways, that's my first concern. But the fact is, you look at his course history here, third, third, 17th, miscut, miscut. So we know the risk is there for a miscut. The fact that we haven't seen him since the Tournament of Champions, we haven't seen him since that, 
little mishap on the green, which was completely socially inappropriate. Dropping that bomb. I think he's going to have a rough go of it. I really do. And that's just an opinion. So I don't think JT's going to end up in my finer builds. He'll be part of my player pool. I just don't think he's going to make it because there's got to be some psychological weight there. Lost sponsors, lost respect within the industry. Like there's a lot going on here. Now, maybe he'll just shrug it off his shoulders. He'll pull a Patrick Reed, right? I don't think JT's that type of guy. I just don't. But you look at his course here, history here, it's impeccable, of course. But John Rahm. Okay, official world golf rankings, number two, Xander, number six, McElroy, number seven, and Webb Simpson, number nine. Why would you not consider these guys? Webb won last year, right? Rory hasn't not played here in the last five years. Rom's top 10, two of the last four attempts, and the one, two of the times he didn't, he top 20. Of course, you need Rom to win at 11,200, need him at least top three, top five, but still, I think there's a lot to like here. Um, you look at the recent form. John Rahm, 7th at the Farmers. Xander, 2nd at the Farmers. Rory, of course, looked good at the Farmers. He was 16th overall. Uh, um, there's a lot to like here. And I think if you're going to go back and look at Webb Simpson, look at JT. JT not playing since the Tournament of Championship. That 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 really concerns me. So that's what makes him my least favorite. But the fact with the Webb Simpson, yeah, he hasn't played the last two. But he took the Sony Fourth place, right? So obviously his game's on point and he's looking really good. Um, does have a missed cut here, which is concerning, but when he has made the cut, an average finishing position of top 10. Ninth place, actually, with the win, 20th, second place, and 14th. So let, let's really break this down. With John Rahm, you're looking at my overall stat model. He ranks number two. So he's looking solid, right? He's looking the part. The only thing that's missing from John Rahm's game right now is a win, but he's getting top tens. He's doing well. He He's establishing himself on the course. Uh, we know this is a guy who's not won a major yet, has the potential to win a major, has the ability to win a major. I'm just curious if it's Rahm's turn here to win this particular tournament. When we look at the last 50 rounds, you look look at my research kind of for Rahm here. Um Ron does pretty well. He ranks out exceptionally well everywhere. So in my models particularly, in my confidence model, Johnny Rom ranks number one. And the aggregate model ranks number two. Overall stat model, which is tournament specific, ranks number two. In terms of my projections, ranks number one. For the course projections, top ten. And for our course style projections, top five. So just all over the place, it makes sense to, to, to just fall in love with John Rom. So where are we concerned about? Well, in the last 50 rounds in the field, John Rahm ranks 38th in approach. Okay, so it's not perfect. It's not a perfect metric. It's not to say that like we don't have trouble or fear here with John Rahm. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm going to play Rahm. So next one is Xander Shoffley. And in the same 50 rounds, it's the same thing. It's it's not a glaring error or glaring mishap, but the approach game is a little bit off where he ranks 36. Now we go to JT. And this is where I'm a little bit concerned with JT and Rory in the last 50 rounds. It's like good drives gained. It's just not there. Now, if you break it down in the last 12 rounds, that's when stats tend to change for these two, for JT and Rory. Okay. Um, Looking at these guys specifically, again, we talked about how good they are in the confidence model, even in the Vegas model. Rory right now, last I looked, was number one in terms of Vegas, and he's not even top priced. But it's something that I'm going to keep watching as the week goes on. If the price jumps somewhere here or there, I'm going to jump a van of shit. So now we were concerned about Rory's good driving. But in the last 12 rounds, 
36th in the field. But then you look at John Rahm, 93rd. Of course, that's tournament specific. So, like, what you you got to pick your poison here. We know how good these golfers are. I'm not too concerned, especially with with you know as well as John Rahm has been playing, as well as Rory's been playing. My only concern, honestly, is JT's psyche. If I were to rank these guys in terms of just stat order and who I like the most, it would have to go with. Let me pull it up here. Probably go Rom, Xander, Rory, JT, and Webb all tied for 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 third. Um, and that's just looking at the stat rank. So it, it's a solid top tier. I, I think DraftKings did an excellent job putting them in there. But that's the easy part of this weekend, right? We're going to go down the 9K range, and this is where you're going to have to make some choices. So the guys I like in this range, Decky, Daniel Berger, Sunjay M, and, 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 dare I say, Scotty Scheffler, okay? Scotty Scheffler's could have go way under-owned for a guy who's in the top 35 in the official world golf rankings. First of all, in my confidence model, top 30, aggregate model, top 40, overall stat model, top 40, where he dominates is off the tee, and we're looking for his approach and scoring. I'm always concerned about the putter for Scotty Scheffler. Don't get me wrong. I'm concerned about the miscut at the Farmers. I'm concerned about the miscut at the American Express. But we did see him get 13th place at the TOC. He missed a cut last year at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Second go around, I'm willing to buy it. I've seen Justin Thomas miss cuts here. I've seen Webb Simpson miss cuts here. I've seen Daniel Berger miss cuts here. Look, we've seen uh, Matthew Wolf miss cuts here. There's tons of people who have missed cuts at this tournament that are really good golfers because of its difficulty. I'm going to buy Scheffler here. You don't need a much to get leverage to the field. He's low-owned. He fits the course so well. In terms of my projections right now, fits 10th, 10th overall. So I'm really liking it um, at about 74, 74 points. So the other three I like, Decky, he has the course history here. He's a course horse. He has won here before. But Daniel Berger, Daniel Berger is my next play. And I'm going to go back to him, right? Uh, 7th at the Sony. 10th at the TOC, 23rd at the OHL. I'm going to buy into that. $9,600, I think it's a fair price for a guy who can score, for a guy who's got solid in approach, and a guy who's amazing off the tee and is a hell of a putter. He might rank out better than some of the guys in the top tier. That's why I love this pricing with Daniel Berger. Now, here's the caveat. You're going to get 20% owned Daniel Berger. Do you want to eat that chalk? That's up to you. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to have pieces of it. I'll either match it or probably go overweight on it. Next guy is Sunjay M. The Terminator's been dominating as he always does. He looks a lot better than he did from the COVID return. If you look, 32nd, 12th, 56th, and 5th. That's four straight tournaments. Very Sunjay M style. Never taking tournaments off. Has made four or five cuts. The last one he missed was the RSM. And, of course, that was right after the Masters. So I'm not going to hold too much against him on that one. And then you look at his course history. 34th last year and the year before that, 7th. I love the Terminator in this spot. Great driving off the tee. Great in approach. Great in scoring. Fits the overall stat model to a T. Sungjae is in play this weekend, and he's going to continue to be in play. The guy just plays. He cranks out cuts, and he cranks out top 10s, top 15s, top 20s. Especially at 9,400, I'm going to take a chance on him. Why not gamble him? Why not? 
21st in the last 12 rounds in good drives gain. 17th in birdies are better gain. 22nd off the tee. I like him in the last 12 rounds. I like him in the last 36 rounds. I like him in the last 50 rounds. Sung JM is here to play this year. We saw it at the Masters, and we're seeing this continuing down the road. That really wraps it up for me at this 9K range. I, I'm not too keen on English. Palmer, Zalatoris, we'll get into a little of that a little bit later. And let's go down to that 8K range. And this is where I see a lot of things I don't like. I don't want to play Brooks Kepka. I don't like where his head is right now. I don't like where his game is right now. Like, even the random shit that's occurring to Brooks Kepka is so wrong. He hit a driver in this, like, he hit a ball with the driver into someone's shoe. He tried to break the shaft of his driver. And I don't know if you check this out on Twitter or not. And he he was so close to breaking it. And I wish he did. It would have been so cool to see. But literally, Kepka is struggling with his game. We saw it last weekend. We have three straight missed cuts. The OHL, the Amex, the Farmers. We've seen a change in clubs. He's struggling. He's not the same golfer right now. I'm going to play the wait-and-see approach regardless of the fact of how well I think he fits this course. Luyo, Luyo Stuzing, I, it's really going to come down to ownership for him. Um, he does fit this course, fits well in my confidence model, looks good in my overall stat model, but there's just too many intangibles here that I don't want a piece of, right? I like playing Louis when he's when he's low owned. Don't get me wrong, and I might come back to him. Right, we had 29th finish at the Farmers last week. Before that, I had not played at the RSM. Um, his best finish here was third place in 2017. So it's been quite a while since he played here, but he has played here before, so he knows the track very well. In terms of tournament style, though, I don't love it. But the course projection, obviously, we love it. You know, the one time he played here, he finished in first place. I don't know how much love Louis going to get in this range. Am I going to play him? Yes, I'm going to play him. He's not a fade by any means. But the fact of the matter is, at $8,900, that seems a little steep and a little pricey. But still, I'll do it. I am going to take pieces of it. Ricky Fowler continues to go under-owned, and I think he's really turned things around. Um, 53rd last week, 21st the week before that, the American Express has five of five straight make cuts here with an average finishing position of number 11. Okay. Um, Ricky obviously has been talking about the redoing the, the reinvention of his swing and those kind of tools for him to grow his game, build his game, whatever the case may be. You look at Fowler last week and, and the struggles that he had round four was solid off the tee. Um, but terrible in approach. You, you look at round three, he was solid in approach, terrible off the tee. I mean, excellent off the tee, but terrible in putting. You look at round two, same story, bad in putting. And the common theme here for Fowler is he's not a bad putter. So for him to gain strokes off the tee, which we like seeing going into the into the waste management, we've seen it on approach. We're hoping that the putter comes back this tournament. So I, I will take him for sure this weekend, but like lost strokes putting for Ricky Fowler, that's not something that you often see. If you look at the last 36 rounds for Ricky, um, you know, again, it's been such a roller coaster ride. He's 94th in the field in approach, um, missing cuts like crazy. When we came back from COVID missing and ball striking, uh, I hope the break in the reinvention of this swing has really helped him. 
So I'm going to take pieces of him just because he's low owned. Do I expect him to win? No, but at 8,600, I'll take a top 15. I'll take a top 10. I think there's value to be had there. Of course, Bobby Watson here, one of my favorite plays. Always love playing him in this course, seeing him drive. He has missed cuts here before, but of course he has finished in the top five two years row in 2020 and 2019. Um, typically, you know, rule of three, I make this rule, random rule, rule of three, maybe not taken this year, but the fact is there's too much to pass up. Confidence ranks 13 overall, aggregate model 20th, overall stat model 13. Of course, we need to worry about the putter, but he's solid on approach. We saw that last weekend. When he missed a cut at the Farmers, yeah, because his game is pinpoint right now. That's the issue, right? He looked bad last weekend. So was that because of what? He looked terrible in approach, terrible with the putter, terrible from strokes gain T to green. Last weekend, I'm concerned about that. Is that who Bubba Watson necessarily is going to be this weekend? I'm not sure. It was a long layoff since the Masters for Bubba to come back. He looked rusty at the Farmers. I'm okay with that. Some of his approach shots were rusty, but he was playing competitive golf for the first time in a long time. I'm willing to take chances on Bubba Watson. The last two guys, or only one more guy here in this 8K range, and that's Russell Henley. I think Henley is a solid play. He's going to be double-digit owned. I'm okay with that, 12%, but he fits so well in all my models. Overall stat model ranks number 19, but looks again, looks good off the tee, and that's what I want. The thing I hope reduces Henley's ownership is people look at his, his, his history, his course history here. Miscut, 15, miscut, 16, miscut. Arguably, if you think that's a pattern, he's going to finish top 20 at 8,200. That's a bargain. That's a deal. Of course, patterns in golf like that don't happen, but be nice if they did. So I'll take care of the 8K range. And we are going to check out this loaded 7K range. So the 7K range is interesting to say the least, right? You have so many golfers that we have been on for the last few weeks that are in this range. First of all, Jason Day is incredibly underpriced, $7,800. I don't know what's going on here, but eventually people are going to notice this and they're going to play him. Of course, the course history is not that great. The course suitability isn't that great. Missed the cut last week at the Farmers. Jason Day, the new clubs, the narrative, and everything like that. Most definitely going to go back to a caliber of golfer like Jason Day, especially if we're coming in at sub 5%. Check out that ownership, though. Come uh, lineup lock on Wednesday night. Now, the guys I really like in the 7K range, Corey Connors, Chris Kirk, Norlander, Steele, Benny Ahn, Munoz, Wise... Laird, Van Ruyen, and Charlie Hoffman. Now, I know that's a huge list. The 7K range is loaded. I mean, we could add Grillo to that list. We could add Sabatini to the list, Luke List, John Hawk, Thompson, Russell Knox, guys that we played in the past, guys that I've liked in the past of the tournament. But the thing is, you got to cut out men somewhere. First of all, Grillo. All right. Why I'm cutting him out, even though I do like his game. At 7,300, he's never played or paid off here at that price. So we're looking at 33rd is his best finish in 2019. And then you're looking at 57, 63rd, 45th, and a miscut last year. So Hadwin, again, top 40s minus a 12 and 17 about four or five years ago. Sabatini, two straight miscuts with a 31st. And the reason that I took those guys out is because they're just not finishing where I want to see if they make the cut. They're still not coming with value. With Russell Knox, Russell Knox makes the cut at the Farmers. I didn't like what I saw. I know we're looking at two top 20s in a row after two missed cuts. Um, it is a viable option. I would say that. But with Russell Knox, it, it, he's great off the tee. The question I have with him is scoring. And because of the lack of scoring. And probably lack of course fit necessarily. 
Russell Knox may or may not make my lineups, but look, let's look at the guys I really like. Okay, first of all, Corey Connors is going to be pretty chalky. 18, 19, 20%. At 7,900, that leaves me validation to fade. Um, I will be on Corey Connors, but I will be underweight because he just looks so good. Seventh in my confidence model, fourth in my aggregate model, fourth in my overall model. And he's only coming in at 17%, which is not an exorbitant high percentage. One of the highest on my initial run through, but still. Um, 37th at the Farmers, didn't play since the OHL where he finished 17th and then 10th at the RSM. So we're looking at great form. He's amazing off the tee, great in approach, um, especially long term. He's one of the most underpriced golfers in the field right here with incredible upside, especially with course history. Just playing last year, made the cut, got 45th. So we always look for that improvement in that second run through. I like Corey Connors in this spot. 7,900 is too cheap. I'm going to take pieces of him. I don't care about the chalk here. Going to play him. Going to play him. All right. Next guy, Chris Kirk, another guy who fits the course, but on my models, ranks very high. Overall stat model, top 20. Aggregate model, top 20. Confidence model, top 20. So Chris Kirk fits that mold. Looks great off the tee. Looks great long-term in scoring. Looks great long-term in approach. Another guy that I think is underpriced. I love the fact that he missed the cut uh, last year and then 50th before that. And then hidden in between in 2018 is an 11th place finish. You look at his recent form, four straight made cuts. He's got the Amex, the Sony, the OHL, and the RSM. So he's looking solid with an average finishing position in those four events of 21st. At $7,500, if he's finishing top 25, Chris Kirk's going to be in a lot of potential optimal lineups. Next on the list is Henrik Norlander. Norlander never played here, but finished second place here last week in 12th of the American Express. His game is on point. The off-the-tee game is perfect right now. Of course, the biggest risk we get with him is a putter going cold. It's something that we are going to risk with every golfer. Let's be realistic. It's something that we have to deal with on a week-to-week basis. You know, we, we, we have to play a poor putting Ricky Fowler last week. But you look at the event average for Norlander last week and why I think he was successful. He lost strokes putting, ultimately. But his tee to green game, his off the tee game, and his approach game were all solid, and he finished tied for second. He put it together round by round after, in round one, losing almost four, did lose 4.2 strokes putting, okay? And then you look at round three, he gained strokes putting round four, everything kind of normalized back to uh, his style of play. He's hot. You're going to have to play him. You're getting him at single-digit ownership right now. Hopefully no one hypes him up. I got him right now at about 6%. And I think that's fantastic considering the circumstances. Has not played here in the last five years. That is concerning. But you know what? I'll take pieces of Norlander at 7,500, especially with the current form. Brendan Steele is the next option. I don't think he necessarily fits the course the best here, but always seems to have done well. You look at the last two cuts, right? 2020, 2019, he missed a cut here at the Waste Management. But before that, third, 16th, 17th. So we do have some history, and we do have some form coming in this week. Fourth at the Sony, 21st at the Amex. Um, he's poor off the tee, which concerns me. So we got to see a hot off the tee game here for Steele. And in general, we're looking at him just hoping to piece a round together. Am I going to be overweight on the field? No. Brandon Steele is more of like a, a conviction play play him under the radar type play. I don't necessarily think he's the best fit for the course, and he is high risk. He's a, he's a very volatile type of player. But still, I think that there's some upside here that you can take advantage of. 
Of course, Benny on whenever Benny on is single digit ownership, you have to consider him. The guy's a scoring machine, and then the putter can just kill you. Uh, does struggle off the tee, and that's one of the key points of playing at this course. But if you look at the last four years, 9th, 20th, 23rd, and 6th, you look at his recent form, 75th, 8th, and 100th. Okay, that was at the Farmers, the Amex, and the OHL. This is not a very difficult course. The front nine is very easy. It's gettable. The back nine is where you can run into trouble. I'm hoping Benny on can get over that. I hope he can putt well. I'm going to take pieces of Benny on. His projection ranks in the top 25. His course style projection ranks in the top 20. And then, of course, this course specifically ranks in the top 10. Benny on plays great at this course. And if you're going to get single-digit ownership on Benny on, I would double that. The next guy that I'm going to mention is Sebastian Munoz. Now, Munoz coming in at 7,100. People have been on him recently, right? They've liked him, and he's still coming in at sub 7-8% ownership. Fits this course. In Lee Aldrich's suitability metric on Fanshare Sports, he ranks number three. three third best option in terms of skill set that Lee uh, values in this score set. My confidence model ranks 27th. My overall model, top 35. You're getting a guy that's been priced at 7,100 with that much upside, that much high ranking. I'll take it. Is he awesome off the tee? No. Course history, it's not impeccable, 47th here. And the last time we did see him play was at the Sony, he finished 65th. And, you know, he is making cuts, though. He missed the cut at the OHL and the RSM before that, but then at the TOC, 17th, no cut event, and then the Sony at 65th. So we're looking for a scoring upside here for Sebastian Munoz. And the course history, I think, is helpful, and the course style is helpful as well. Of course, anyone at these low prices is going to be volatile. The next four guys I'm going to mention, Wise, Laird, EBR, and Charlie Hoffman. These guys are interesting plays, to say the least. Um, Aaron Wise playing here for the first time, I believe. Uh, a lot of guys don't want to play someone where there's no course history. And I get that. Well, that's not true. He missed the cut in 2020, my bad. But missed the cut at the Amex. You look at Martin Laird, missed the cut last week. You look at EBR, missed the cut last week. You got Charlie Hoffman with two withdraws in a row, so he's got a back issue, but the course history here is impeccable. It's kind of this range where you're going to have to make some difficult choices. I like Wise, I like Laird, I like Van Ruyen, I like Hoffman, I like the randomness that comes into play. All these guys are great off the tee, all these guys are decent to average in approach, and I would argue that only Marty Laird is the one who can't score out of these four, and he's probably the highest risk, but still does fit this course and we've seen it in the past as 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 his course history here has a 55th a 26th a 9th 7th and 41st so we know the top 10 upside is there so marty laird at 7000 is in my opinion a steal um when you take on the risk and everything like that not a cash game play by any means but most definitely an option for this weekend's gpp tournaments so the question moving forward is who am i not gonna play no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. So this is the Cutline Signature segment. Can't do it. Won't do it. The golfers that we are looking at double-digit ownership that we can not play. And that we just have no high convictions on. Alright, so... Starting off in this 9K range, we have two of them. The first one being Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer does fit this course, don't get me wrong. Ryan Palmer in all my models looks fantastic. But when you look at his course history here at the Waste Management, 
Miscut, 60th. Miscut, Miscut, 24th. I get it. He finished second at the Farmers. Don't get me wrong. Great farm, right? 41st at the Sony. Fourth at the Tournament of Champions. He's looking great. But Ryan Palmer, 9,200 with this course history and this double-digit ownership, no thank you. I'm going to pass. I, you know, Vegas even loves him. They got him, in, like right now when I'm looking at his 10th best rank, and especially at this value at 9,200. I'm going to pass. Get it. Top 30 in the field in terms of the official world golf rankings. He's there. Ryan Palmer, though, can't do it. Next play, Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris at 9K? You kidding me? No. No. Way overpriced. That's like play, paying 9, 10K for Jordan Spieth right now. It's, it's an exorbitant amount of your salary. If you want to play double-digit 9K Will Zalatoris, by all means, go ahead. I don't think that it's a value-high IQ type play. The fact is people are high on Zalatoris right now, and I get it. I'm just not going to spend 9K on Zalatoris when he's unproven. It's unreliable to play someone that high. And then our constant double-digit ownership fade is Sam Burns. Enough said. I don't like playing high-owned, double-digit-owned Sam Burns. It's just not worth it. Course history, two missed cuts. So does have decent form. If you want to play him, by all means, go ahead. You want to play all my can't-do-its, by all means, go ahead. But look, they've been on fire. They've been on fire. We even got the withdraw right last week. So Palmer, Zalatora, Zalatoris, Sam Burns can't do it. Now, I do want to add a little bit of a disclaimer. I am totally willing to bet these guys. Absolutely. I would absolutely take these guys in a heartbeat based on their betting odds and separate them from their DFS purposes. So make sure you guys keep that in mind. All right, let's do it. Let's go rock and roll the MG. Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut, miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this is the coveted the fan favorite the mg the monsters and guarantee the 6k player range where we look at guys that are not only below seven thousand dollars on DraftKings, but also going to make a top 25 top 20 finish last week we had two top 10 finishes that's what i'm talking about man a little bit of line line of construction note i don't like dropping below the 65 range. I really don't. I think there's some really bad golf down there. And and don't get me wrong, there's there's golfers that we like to attack on particular courses. Will Gordon's a name to come to mind at 6,300. Um, Vaughn Taylor we've utilized before, and he does fit this course. Uh, Viegas, like these are high-risk plays, right? So if you are building those Stars and Scrubs lineups where you're going down in the 6,061, $6,200 range, there's a lot of volatility down here, and there's a lot of just ugly guessing. Um, so I want you guys to be cautious about that. Like, going below in this low price range, you're taking an exorbitant amount of risk. And even in GPP lineups where you're trying to get different, getting cheaper isn't getting different. It's just increasing risk 
and the ability to fail in these lineups. So be cautious going down in that range. But our MGs for this week, Tringale, 6,900. Keegan Bradley, 6,900. James Hahn at 6,800. Harold Varner III at 6,700. Doc Redman is 6,600. I love it. He's going to be single-digit ownership, and people have been touting him for the last few weeks, and he's been letting people down. And we are going back to Matthew Naismith again. I know. Terrible, terrible choice. Whatever the case may be, we are going to go back to Naismith. Now, we're going to start here at the top. Tringale. Why I love him. People are going to be off him because in the last five years, four missed cuts and did not participate in 2019. Fact is, his game has grown by leaps and bounds. I love the fact that he's down in the $6,900 range. He finished 18th last week at the Farmers, 56th before that at the Amex, and then made the cut in top five at the RSM. The guy's game is really developing well. In the last 12 rounds, 15th off the tee, 12th in approach, 20th in scoring in the field, 1st in putting. These are all intangibles that we like. And my confidence model ranks 18th overall, 14th in my aggregate model, 12th in my overall stat model. Now coming in at sub 5% ownership. Watch out this week though. He's a guy that's going to be popular, though who knows? He might fly under the radar. Next guy is Keegan Bradley. Always love Keegan Bradley for, for a first round leader. It seems to do that a lot. You look at the course history, though, and it's kind of iffy, right? 49th, 67th, 43rd, miscut, and then the one lone top 25 was in 2016, which was ages ago, and he's coming off two miscuts. Missed the cut at the Amex, missed the cut at the Sony, 32nd, 15th, the OHL and RSM, respectively. Average finishing position at this tournament is 46th, but look, in the last 50 rounds, he's ranking 14th in my fairway model, off the tee. He's ranking 30th in the last 50 rounds in my approach model. The only consideration and concerns I have are the scoring. If Keegan Bradley can't score, if he can't putt, then it's going to be a huge major issue. We are hoping to get that Keegan Bradley hot putter. Of course, if we don't get it, don't expect a monster or guarantee. The next up is James Hahn. James Hahn does not necessarily fit this course the best. He doesn't. But you look at his course history, 25th, 67th, 11th, miscut 17th. So not only do we have three top 25s, but we only have one miscut in that with an average finishing position at this tournament, the waste management of 30th place. I'll take the odds that James Hahn likes this course. And even though he's coming off a miscut at the Farmers, I like Hahn in this spot, 6,800, and he will round out some of my lineups regardless of the fact that he technically does not fit this course. Now, last option, and I know it's an ugly option. Well, not the last, but HV3 at $6,700. He's not necessarily popping in my models, but in my aggregate model, top 40, overall stat model, top 35. My approach model, top 30. Fairway model, top 30. The scoring is the issue. You look at the last 12 rounds, he ranks near the bottom in scoring the last 12 rounds. But if you look historically, historically, last 50 rounds, he's in the top 35. You look at his course history, it's pretty volatile. So, 100th last year, means miscut in my model. <laughs> 10th in 2019, 38th in 2018, 68th in 2017, and a miscut in 2016. This is the volatility I like. He's coming off a miscut at the Farmers. He just got back after a long layoff. Hasn't played since the OHL. Hopefully, he shakes the rust off. Now, sub 3% HV3. We know the scoring ability that he has historically. And, of course, history is very volatile here. I will take my chances in GPPs on HV3. Last two options, Doc Redman and Naismith. Redman at 60, 
600 way too cheap we know the upside that he has we bet him consistently the odds are insane he is in terrible form recently right approach model ranks 104th in the last 12th round but historically he's just so damn good top 40 top 20 in almost every single model in the last 50 rounds with the exception of putting you look at him in my overall stat model though 60 seconds so that's concerning he's gonna have to put a round together but he just fits this course right you look at the course history, 34th in the last five years is the only time you played it. That looks solid. He's projected to be in the top 30 in terms of my course projection models and my uh, tournament model for this week, 46th, 46th overall. So I know I'm shooting for like top 30, top 25 with Doc Rendon, but at this price, I can't pass it up. With this ownership, I can't pass it up. People are going to fade him because of his form. I'm fine with that. And I'm going back to the Naismith well. I've been preaching this guy every tournament he's been on since he come back, and he's just basically burned me, right? 48th last week and two missed cuts before that at the Amex and the Sony. Never played here before, so he's a first-timer, and I'm okay with that because he's solid off the tee. I like that coming in at this price at 6500 I am concerned about the scoring historically, but we have seen the last 24 rounds that he's in the top 30. Obviously, he's been struggling recently in the last 12 rounds, which include the most recent run of tournaments. Um, but the overall stat model, and for this tournament in particular, he ranks top 25. So if Naismith could squeak it out, I know he doesn't necessarily fit this course style-wise. Um, and you just look at the production model, there are some concerns. But look, I can't pass up Matt Naismith at 6,500. He's not the best golfer in the world, don't get me wrong. But, hey, going back to him, it's bound to hit at some point, right, if I keep playing it. <laughs> All right, so look at the official world golf rankings. If you look at the rest of the crew, you got guys like Tom Lewis ranked 75th. You got someone like uh, Rob Streb ranks uh, 107th. And then, of course, you got Sung Kang, who ranks 95th. People are going to see those official world golf rankings getting down in this cheap area, and they're going to want to play them. I understand that play. I understand that move. I just don't think you need to come down to this price point. It's not worth it, and it's just going to give you a five or six, and it's going to give you a headache. So, all right, that's it, man. Let's let's go home. Let's go home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. The cut line and the waste management Phoenix Open breakdown. Join us next week. We're at Pebble Beach in the AT&T Pro-Am. Give a special thanks to Fanshare Sports, Fantasy National, and the PGA Tour. But the most important gratitude goes to you, the listener. Thanks for spending your time with the cut line. Go get it on Sunday. GPPs, cash, money. Go and get it. <laughs>